Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh everyone. I hope you guys are doing amazing like always. How is everything going for you guys? I hope y'all are actually really doing good. So this is going to be a really special episode because we're going to start our brand new series as you guys can tell and this series is really going to revolve around dhikr. Um, this is a series that I feel like is so important to do and I think the reason why I feel like it's so important to do is because a lot of people do not treat dhikr as important as it should be. I think that in a lot of cases, you know, growing up, we've all heard how like saying words of thikr, remembrance of Allah, right? Different words like, oh, your sins can be forgiven and you can get a tree in Jannah and this can happen for you and this can happen for you, be rewarded. And so it's beautiful, it's amazing and we do do those things, but we don't actually internalize how much it can change our life. There's plenty of stories and testimonies of people who claim how after doing thikr, basically more than 10,000 times a day, just constantly being in the remembrance of Allah and seeking istighfar changed their life drastically. But even outside of changing this life the more important thing is to change the next life and if you are somebody who struggles and sometimes you know when we're going through a hardship we try to find very elaborative ways to get our du'as answered or to become a better muslim which is beautiful by the way and it's beautiful to be on that journey to seek such you know elaborative and big manners to try to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but what we sometimes forget is that dhikr and little things like reading the quran and things of a such nature have already been laid out in front of us and sometimes we choose to neglect them a lot of times we go towards the more elaborate things, the harder things, and we do not focus on the easier things. Allah has told you how to pass this test of life. It's all laid out for you. The guidance is there. Everything is there. You are not thrown here blind and in vain, not knowing what to do. What you have to do is right in front of you. And a lot of times we do not look at what's right in front of us and instead search for, you know, this miraculous route, this miraculous thing when sometimes, you know, all you really need to do is busy yourself with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seek some istighfar and have some patience. And I think that, you know, the remembrance of Allah and doing thikr, like a lot of people have talked about it, it can move mountains, it can change your life and it is greater than anything in this world. And when you learn to really acknowledge that and see the virtues of dhikr and see how it can help you be content, see how, you know, the meaning versus not just the virtues, but also how it can just change your life. Because there's so much to like dissect here that it's it's hard to even name because a lot of times we just stop at the virtues and say you're going to get this much reward. But it is until you implement these things that you see these things happen in your life. So inshallah, I hope that this series helps you grow and create a better relationship with Vikar and helps you become more consistent in it as I hope that for myself as well, inshallah. Let's start strong with some virtues of thikr. Some of these you might have heard before, some of them you might have not, but I really want to take some time to talk about them so we can understand them more on a personal level, right? So our purpose in this life is obviously to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to submit to Him, to obey Him, and to pass this test of life, right? And remembering Allah is one of the greatest ways that we can achieve this. A lot of times when we are in a test or in a trial, you know, we remember that a real reason and a real purpose and our real everything our whole existence is for God. And when you are going to such a strong test, these tests kind of remind you and bring you back that my reasoning to begin with here is for Allah. My life is for Allah. My dying is for Allah. Everything that I do is for Allah. So when I'm going through these trials and I'm going through these tribulations, I should not get so fed up and so, you know, 
heartbroken or just so negatively charged within myself that everything's falling apart and I'm failing because you might look like you're failing here but you're passing in the next life vice versa you might look like you're passing here but failing in the life to come so you want this whole idea of your purpose and passing this test of life to be good right we all get tested in different ways you already know that you know some people are being born into this world and they have no clue what test is ahead of them some people are going to die soon and we have no clue you know, how it's going to happen, what's going to happen. We all have a due date. We all have a time to go. And passing this test is the most important thing. There's nothing more important ever, right? Because anything that you do, no matter how many tests you pass in this life, and no matter how successful you be in this life, none of it will come with you in the grave, except the fact that if you pass this real test, which is Ahirat, right? And whatever you did for your Ahirat, inshallah. So starting off strong, number one, the good is greater than everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in 2945, and the remembrance of Allah is greater. I want to start off with this one because a lot of us have heard this, but I really want you to internalize this as we go on the journey of this series. This within itself is enough, right? But I want you to think about this. If I said to you, okay, like I want you to bring the greatest thing to me in the world. I want you to do the greatest thing for me. No matter what you do, there's always going to be something greater. And in this world, there's a lot of great things. There's a lot of amazing things. And there's a lot of, you know, incredible things that people literally are ready to die for to achieve. Whether that's wealth, whether that's a concept and a home, a family, fame, whatever that might be. Like there are things in this world that are just people ready to live and die for them. And they do, by the way, they do. We see it all the time. But when you think about this world and all of the beauties in it and all the riches in it and all the hair in it and all the goodness in it, and then you think about dhikr, one word, right? One, something so small like subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, is higher on your scale than this entire world actually internalize that like actually internalize a word of the good on a scale versus the entire world it's greater than that and i feel like when you actually close your eyes and you think about it like that's when it really settles in your mind because in life we chase so many things we chase a lot of things we want a lot of things and we do a lot of things but we truly do not know how those things are going to end up if we will be successful and if you are successful i mean that's great that's cool but will it come in your ahirat that's another thing all in all, there is just so much of a chase in this life to obtain things, to get things, to be on that next level, to have the best of everything. We all want the best of everything. You don't go to a store and buy a broken toy. You don't. You always want the one that is best. You don't go to a car dealership and be like, mm, I don't want, you know, like depending on your money range, but you're not going to buy a broken car just to buy it. If you're going to buy a car, you're probably going to buy a nice one. If you are picking, you know, clothes shoes whatever it might be like you want the best of everything and then when it comes time to you know buy a home to buy whatever it might be um when it comes time with just your finances you want the best of everything and it's important to remember that while you might want the best of everything in this life you should also want the same for your ahirat so actually internalize that your one word of dhikr is greater than everything in this world we all have something in this life that we love a lot right whether that's our family our loved ones you know our home some people you know they're like they're like really deeply in love with their car like i don't even know we all have something that we are very deeply in love and attached with we all have things that we love and when you think about how great this thing is right like we all have maybe a person or something in your life that you just think is so great that you love just so much right the good is greater than that Think about all the joys of your life, the little things that make you happy when you pass your test, when you get this car that you want, when you, you know, have a good time with your family, even the small things, the small things that feel so big to your heart because they mean so much to you. All the beauties of this world, all the pretty places that you've 
seen, all the pretty places that you've traveled to, all the pretty sights that you've seen, all the pretty and beautiful experiences you've had with people, the good is greater than that. And so when we sit here, you know, in life and we say that, you know what, getting to Jannah is hard, there's no doubt, there's a lot of fitna, there's a lot of trials, and it's not an easy journey. You won't find a lot of people on the journey of trying to achieve Jannah. You might find some people that are trying to become better Muslims. You know, I was once talking to a mufti about this, getting sidetracked. I was once talking to a mufti about this. You know, you'll find a lot of people in the route of fiqh when people are trying to become better Muslims in regards to the rulings. Like, okay, I'm going to dress better. I'm going to become more modest. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start doing this or the fiqh of this, the fiqh of that. Or you'll see a lot of people trying to, you know, make sure they're getting their life situated in those ways. And that's beautiful. And that is important and it's necessary. It is necessary that you make sure that you are living your life according to Islamic ruling 100%, right? So you'll see a lot of people in those paths. But a path where you won't see a lot of people is the emotional path. That detachment from absolutely everything in this world and leaving it for Allah. Because a lot of us say, you know what, we live for Allah, I die for Allah, my life is for Allah. If Allah takes anything away from me, I'm going to be okay because my entire life is for Allah, I'm not worried. But when you are actually on that journey of following Islam for what Islam is, and you know, you might be getting neglected, pushed out, basically shut down, and maybe even kicked out by your own family, you might have be getting slandered in your community you might have lost everything you love all your wealth success everything you are losing everything it really makes you wonder you know there is this um really interesting little quote that i read today that i'm going to read to you guys real quick so this is a quote by ibn al-qayyam May Allah have mercy on him, who said, More than one person has said to me, when I repent to him and do good deeds, he restricts my provision and makes my life difficult. But when I return to sin and submit to my lust, provision and ease come freely to me. I say to them, this is a test from Allah, so that he may see your truthfulness and patience. And I felt like this quote was so relevant. Because when you walk on that emotional path of actually detaching yourself from your, even the people that you might love, there's nothing wrong with loving and, you know, having a good relationship with somebody, but that detrimental type of relationship where it affects your iman and it's negative for you. And that path where you're getting rid of your lusts and your provisions and just, just that path of letting go of those things, it's so hard. It is hard. And when it comes to that point, you might not see a lot of people there. We're all tested in different ways, there's no doubt. I've seen some of the most knowledgeable people I know face such traumatic losses that you would just be shocked. You would be shocked. And you would think that this person is so knowledgeable, they're so righteous, they do so many amazing things. Why would this happen to them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose them for such a greater cause to walk on this path of emotionally truly just being for him. And no matter how knowledgeable you are, no matter how righteous you are, I think that's a thing that we all struggle with. We all have attachments and things and people and stuff that we love. And there's nothing wrong with loving those things. But when it comes to a detrimental factor where it's affecting your iman and you're so deeply attached that there's no sense of reality outside of it, this is a dangerous problem. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, he'll put you on the route sometimes of coming to a point where you are only emotional emotionally and deeply connected to him and some people do come upon this route but unfortunately that's where they slip up and they fall into their lusts and desires and start drinking and they start going on that deep end because they feel empty or they feel like they don't have a comfort person or a peace person or any type of love or ease when the whole time god put you on this path because he wanted that for you he wanted you to find that in him and god has those things he absolutely does but you have to walk on that path to see it so remember that dhikr, just this alone is greater than everything. Think about all the times that you sit here, you talk to Allah, you remember Allah. It's greater than absolutely anything. Here is the second one. 
Frequent dhikr leads to success. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, remember Allah much that you may be successful. He says this in the Quran in 845. Simple. You want to become successful in this life and in the next. Frequent remembrance of Allah. And there's nothing wrong again with being successful in this life. I know that I just went off on a whole tangent, but I do want to preface there's nothing wrong with being successful in this life. There's nothing wrong with that. But you need to remember that sometimes in life, it might look like you're failing here, but you're not failing there. So don't get so caught up and have these resentful feelings towards God. That God, why are you making everything in my life fall apart? You know, I've had lots of phases in my life where if I, I was so ashamed to even say what I was going through because I felt like a complete failure because nothing in my life was working out in the ways that I wanted it to. Or everything was completely falling apart. Everything was shattering down. And at the end of the day, that's just kind of what it seems like. But in those problems, when you find Allah, you find you've, that's greater than anything, right? Number three, dhikr protects you from being amongst the losers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, O you who believe, let not your wealth and your children divert you from the remembrance of Allah. And whoever does that, then those are the losers. 63.9 of the Quran. Very important ayah, just like everything that I've been saying earlier. What have we been saying? Do not let your wealth, your children, divert you from the remembrance of Allah. A lot of times, you know, I know we all live busy lives. We all live busy schedules. Nobody's denying that. But a lot of times we're so busy with our businesses, we're so busy with our wealth, we're so busy with our school, we're so busy with, you know, I got to make money, I got to get that back, I got to be on my grind, whatever third you might want to call it. You're so busy in that that you forget to remember the one who gives you risk. And that happens a lot. You know, there's this common saying that a lot of people have that like people will wake up at Fajr time to go to work, to go get risk, but they won't pray Fajr and they'll forget the one who who provides risk and it's very much the same right you will wake up you know i'm gonna say something i remember this one time just just some motivation and this is not meant to be shady just something to think about i remember one time i read this tweet it said i can't believe that you know at 5 a.m a kafir is up walking his dog but i'm not awake praying fajr and i died and I was like, bye. But that's literally, think about it, bro. Think about it. A lot of times we see people that are not Muslim talking about, you know, wake up early and it changes your life and doing yoga in the morning and have discipline. And I'm waking up at 4.30 in the morning, walking my dog, doing yoga, going on a run. And it's like, you're doing those, you're watching the viewers are like, yeah, man, like I'm gonna wake up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, go on a run and do this and do yoga. Read Fajr. Read Fajr. Like so many of the answers to your problems are in these prayers, in these dhikrs, in these things that Allah has already given to you. But we don't use them. We don't use them correctly. And we often let, you know, our wealth and our children and things among that nature divert us from the remembrance of Allah. But that is, it's pure delusion. It's pure delusion, you know. On the day of judgment, your wealth, your children, nothing's going to help you. We're told that multiple times in the Quran, your children that you're sacrificing your life for, and if anything, sacrificing their ahirat for, because you're teaching them that nothing matters except their current grades and their life, you know, in this world. This is not going to benefit you on the day of judgment. It's not. Simple. Simple as that. So, there's really nothing more I can say on that. The next number, number four. Dhikr will save you from regret. The Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, said, No people leave a gathering in which they did not remember Allah, the Almighty, except that it will be as if they were leaving the carcass of a donkey, and it will cause and it will be a cause of regret for them. Another beautiful hadith that was narrated was um, by Prophet peace be upon him. He said, The people of paradise will not regret anything except for those moments in which they did not remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
And I think that speaks volume. Because now that we've established that dhikr is greater than anything, that this is greater than anything you have in this world, these little words of astaghfirullah, alhamdulillah, just remembering Allah, whatever it might be, sitting in that remembrance and remembering God, is greater than anything. Then you sit here and you internalize that even it, the insane part is even here. It says the people of paradise will not regret anything except for those moments in which they did not remember Allah. The people of paradise. We're talking about people that are that are in paradise, that have made it. And that is so insane because even then, you will not regret anything except for the moments that you did not remember Allah. Which shows us how much of a value and how much of an emphasis there is on remembering Allah. In another really interesting narration, we hear how on the Day of Judgment, when the veil revealing the rewards of action is lifted, people will not see any action with greater reward than dhikr. Then some people feel regret and say, there was nothing easier for us than doing dhikr. How easy is it to do dhikr? I don't even need to explain how easy it is. You barely have to move your mouth. You barely have to do anything. Yet there is so much reward. And when that veil is lifted and you see so much reward, just for seeing one word, less than a breath, just saying one thing, not only does that change your life here, not only do you get forgiveness, not only does this help build your home in Jannah, but you are gaining closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through it all. And what is better than being a close friend of Allah? What is better than being among those that Allah loves? What is better than being among those that Allah is proud of? And, you know, in some tafsirs, I don't want to get too much into it, but in Surah Baqarah 153, you know, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O believers, seek comfort and patience and prayer. Allah is truly with those who are patient. And some tafsir, it says beautifully how, you know, one who has adopted religion in the real sense of the world has truly discovered God. And he lives in this permanent state, this bubble of thanksgiving and remembrance of his Lord. Such a life alone is the source of peace and happiness. But this peace and happiness can also come in complete form in their next life. Because it's like knocking two stones with one bird. You're going to get rewarded either way. And I want to kind of read you this. It's a little bit long, but I think it really ties in nicely into what we're talking about. Um, this world has not been created for a reward. It has been created for the trial of man. This world being a testing ground, God's servants face obstacles in their path so that the earnest among them may be distinguished from those who are not serious and sincere. These obstacles present themselves in normal everyday situations of life, human temptations, family demands, worldly interests, social pressure, and these things that provide the real test of life. First, one has to realize in what manner one is being tested. Then one has to avoid the pitfalls by remembering God, by remembering God, what did we just talked about, by remembering God and thanking Him for the blessings of life. There is only one way to succeed in the trials of life, and that is through patience and prayer. This entails attaching oneself to God and adhering to the path of truth, enduring all the setbacks that afflict one's way. Those who do not waver from the path, and despite all the difficulties it presents, who stay with God even when no worldly benefit seems to come therefrom, are the ones who will finally emerge successful from the trials of life. God has reserved the eternal blessings of the next life for those who show themselves willing to sacrifice this life for the next. And again, another really interesting thing to mention, in my opinion, again, no particular order, is when you're reading Surah Baqarah, right, in 157, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, um, they're the ones who will receive Allah's blessings and mercy, and it is they who are rightly guided, right? And when you read the tafsir about this and you learn about this ayah, it's really interesting because there's a bunch of things that are being talked about, right? But just general on a general consensus, I think the mention of hajar is always incredibly interesting because hajar, we do not talk about it enough. But hajar was a prime example, a prime example of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not leave those who work in his way 
alone. He does not let you, you know, he doesn't befriend you here and leave you there. He doesn't say that he's going to help you and not help you. And we see this with Hajar when, you know, she's in this place. She's going through such a hard time. There's no water. She's just stranded, right? No water in sight. She decides to go for the search of water, obviously. And she's stressed out. She's running back and forth between the hills of Safa and Marwa seven times nothing is happening and then she returns to original dwelling where there she finds a spring now known as the spring of zamzam seven times hajar ran between the hills seven times unsuccessful when she goes back she finds the spring of zamzam and this within itself is such a symbolic event showing us how hajar was not left alone allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not entrust somebody and tell somebody that i'm going to help you and if you come to me seeking help through patience and prayer i'm going to leave you allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never does that and when we see hajar and how she ran back and forth seven times nothing's coming out burning sand under her feet this shows you that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when one person goes on to this path of being in service for God, even if you reach a stage where you feel like there's nothing but burning sand, nothing's happening, you don't know what's going on, God's mercy is greater than that. And God will help you there and God will fix you there and God will be there with you. So this idea within itself is so beautiful. Because when we see Hajar and we see the things that she goes through, and obviously there's so many prophets peace be upon them, that have you know, so many stories, and we, we talk about it all the time. But Hajar is just... It's such an insane example because when think about you're in a desert, right? And the first thing you're going to think is, oh, yeah, you know what? There's going to be water. I'm just going to find water. But she trusted Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ran and did what she had to do. And that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came in. And this is the thing. In life, you're not always going to know how things are going to work out. Sometimes you just have to do. Your job is to do, not worry about the how. And I feel like that is really important to mention. And I know we're originally talking about dhikr, not getting into tafsir, um, but it's very important to understand these things because you can see how we just say that, you know, dhikr is just saying subhanAllah and, you know, this and astaghfirullah and my sins are forgiven. That's amazing. Look at how much more it pours into your life. Look at how much more emphasis and so much more remembrance and so much more connection and so much more knowledge and so many more doors that this is opening for you. Are we on the same page or am I just venting alone? Besties, I think I'm alone. I don't know. I really hope that someone benefited from some of the things that I rambled on about. I am not done yet. I am not done yet. I have a bunch of more virtues and a bunch of other things that I, inshallah, hope to share with you guys. But I do want to try to keep these series short so it isn't like overwhelming and you guys can like actually implement those things in your life. Um, so I hope that something that I said here benefited you or like kind of sat in your mind and kind of just helped you. Um, if I said anything wrong, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive me. If I have any shortcomings, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive me. I hope you guys love this episode. Please do stay tuned for episode number two because we're going to continue our discussion. But I do want to try my best to make these, um, brain edible sizes. Now, what the hell does that mean? Um, more smaller so it's easier to digest and there's less going on, inshallah. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care of yourself. Assalamu alaikum.